welcome back to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm not sure what episode we are on, but if you have made it this far, then we're legally bound to each other now. We're actually, in the eyes of the government, a family in a one unit. Aww. <laughs> we have an exciting guest with us today. Tamika, I will let you introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Tamika. You can find me on TikTok. I am Tamika Shante. I used to be a former educator, and I transitioned into learning and development where I'm able to shine and grow. And so now I teach other educators how to leave education and join into a career where they are valued, appreciated, make more money, have more freedom, and just live their best life <laughs> we love this we love money we love freedom we love living yes. we love respect i'd love to try it one day we love it all yes it's an amazing feeling i don't know what it's taking some educators so long but it's an amazing feeling once you get there <laughs> oh yeah i was so excited to find you on tiktok because you have so much information that people listening can really really learn from so when did you leave the classroom? How long have you been out? I left the classroom in 2021. And what happened, guys, is a funny story. I went to Vegas. Word got out. And so they let me go because... Wait, they let you go because you went to Vegas? Breaking news. Teacher goes on vacation. I requested time off. I guess it wasn't in an appropriate amount of time. I didn't tell them I went to Vegas. I said something else and it just caught up with me. But the fact that I even had to go through all of that just to get one vacation out of however many years, I was just like, well, you know, at this point, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do something else anyway. And so that's what I did. Good for you. I am like floored by that. It's crazy that like schools will give teachers paid time off depending on the district. Like I worked in a district where we got 10 PTO days a mm -hmm. year, but like what you're mentioning, the advance notice you have to give and the parameters, like I've even seen some districts have it. You can't take it on a Monday. You can't take it on a Friday. You can't take more than two days within a month. And that's exactly this situation. We couldn't request off on a Friday. If it was the day before a holiday, you can't request off. If it's a day um, after the holiday, you can't request off. Like they had all kinds of rules. That is ridiculous. I'm just so sorry that happened to you. Like, you deserve a break. 2021 was no joke. I remember December 2021. I was losing my mind at that point. I was on LinkedIn in class because I left February 2022. So I was fully on LinkedIn suffering in December of 2021. You know, it, everything happens for a reason. I don't say that often, but in this situation... Anytime something's ever happened, something better has always come along. And so, you know, it was scary, but I had to really buckle down. So how long have you been teaching when that situation occurred? I've been in education for 15 years. I would say the last three years, I was multiple roles. I was an instructional coach. I was a STEM program specialist. I was like a program manager for the district when it came to assessments. Like I was just all over the place trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do outside of being in the classroom. But what I found was I didn't like any of it. I didn't like the people. I didn't like the procedures. I didn't like any of it. So I was like, okay, maybe education is now the problem. <laughs> We have all of these skills that are so valuable to other fields and you weren't getting money there and you weren't getting respect mm -hmm. there. It's just tale as old as time. When it comes to being a teacher, it, I just look at it as an abusive relationship. Like teachers combine themselves to their role 
But it's not about your role. It's about your skills. You can't let education, the industry of education, put you in a box. A lot of them, they don't want to move forward. Oh, I was just a teacher. I don't have enough experience. You have all the experience. Link it to your skills, not your role or your title. Absolutely. When you're in that abusive relationship with the education system, it's like you have imposter syndrome. You feel like, you know, gosh, maybe I am actually not good enough. And that's why this is so hard. But in reality, the system is built so that there's almost no winning. And even within the system, like I had the same experience with that. Like it felt like I was in an abusive relationship where administrators and district Mm -hmm. leaders, especially to younger teachers, they would kind of tell them how much worse it was outside education and kind of like manipulate you into thinking you were stuck here. So saying things like if you were in an office job, like you wouldn't be getting home until six. And then things like having off for certain holidays and spring break, like they'll bring up certain things that are great perks to try and tell you why like kind of you couldn't make it outside of education, I think to try and like scare you into leaving, which is literally what happens in an abusive relationship saying like, you're safer here. It's better here. Out there is so scary. You won't make it out there. It's like really mind blowing. But guess what? When you work for yourself, you can go to Vegas whenever you want. Exactly. And and now I'm in a position where I can go where I want to go anytime, no drama. But I think the biggest thing that really attaches teachers to their job is this whole idea of summer. That is like the biggest manipulation tool the school district uses. It's ridiculous. I work a remote job. Who cares about a summer? I get time off all the time. (laughs) I don't have any kids, but if I needed to go pick my kid up from school, drop them off, I could do that. If I want to go travel to Europe and work from Europe, I can do that. Like there's so much freedom than just, the summer (laughs) right but teachers just can't let it go and even with the pool of the summer like I know that's something tons of people outside education say too like oh you only have to work nine months out of the year whatever my whole teaching career on a 10-month paycheck and taught summer school every summer because like was my landlord gonna be like queen it's summer we understand like you don't need to pay everything's fine like no bills are still due And just because you're working for nine months out of the year, that means you're only getting paid for nine months out of the year. Like, it's not like they're just throwing those dollars while you're chilling. And that's a huge misconception. People are always like, oh, you get paid for the summer. No, no. I spread my 10-month paycheck over 12 months. And that's money owed to me. (laughs) But a lot of teachers don't even really use the summertime anyway because they like you said, get part-time jobs. You know how many teachers have second jobs? Most of them. Or they're looking for a second job. And I just think that's that's horrible. Yeah, I remember doing the math on what my hourly would be. And I cried. It was my yeah. first year teaching. And I was like doing the division. And I was like, that's not minimum wage. And you don't get overtime. A lot of the teachers that I've talked to, they don't even make enough money to purchase a home. And that is very alarming. I actually had to leave teaching because of housing costs. When I was a teacher, my paycheck was roughly $3,000 a month and that was 10 months. I did not spread mine over 12. Earning every cent uh, that I made that period is what was on that check. I had about three grand a month and housing costs went up so much that 60% of my income would have been going to rent. So not even purchasing a home, like renting a studio apartment. Teachers can't afford to even take care of themselves, let alone grow their family, buy a home, all these amazing things everyone has the desire to do. Yes, and I feel there's so much value living in the community where you teach. That's almost impossible in LAUSD. That's why we need second jobs and that's why we're leaving and that's why you are having such wonderful success in what you're doing 
now. Do you want to share a little bit about where you are today? Oh, yeah. So one of the biggest things that has really taken off is the mentorship program. What I find is that a lot of educators don't know how to market themselves outside of education. Like That is a huge problem. So yes, they may have someone do their resume. And yes, they'll get an interview. But when they get into that interview, it, it's just a shit show. It, I mean, it just really is. And I've actually had the privilege of sitting in on a lot of interviews with my new job now. I actually see firsthand educators coming into technology and it's a struggle. And so now it's to the point where if you don't know how to market yourself correctly, tech companies do have a bias because they've dealt with so many educators who really were not prepared. So that's the biggest thing that I do um, with helping educators transition, whether it's tech or another industry, period. You have to transition properly. Like the whole, oh, I quit four, uh, four weeks later, I got the job. That's not happening anymore. So you really have to be strategic because we're smart, we're intelligent, and we're from an academia background. You know, we feel that we can do it. But a lot of them are transitioning into non-academia areas. And this is where the downfall is. They don't prepare for it. They kind of go into these interviews entitled almost. Like, I'm a teacher, hire me. And it's like, they don't care about that. <laughs> what can you do for this company? <laughs> They're trying to make money. <laughs> so what I ultimately do is I help them with the transition, help them understand the role that they're interested in with content development, upskilling, having a resume that focuses on their skills, going through interview prep, just basically a whole program. They do have to do a career assessment because a lot of us go into new careers because it's like the shiny object syndrome. We really don't know what the heck we want to do because we've been teaching all our lives. So, you know, getting a good career assessment to see where you are as an adult right now, today, what you love and finding a work environment that is conducive to that. They just come out a lot happier at the end and it is a lot of work, I'm not gonna lie. People start falling off once they realize how much work it is, all the rejection you have to experience, all the biasness you have to overcome, blah, 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 blah. So I'm kind of like a life coach too, a mindset coach. <laughs> That is so awesome. Thank that you, is so thank valuable you. too, especially given how many teachers are leaving the workforce. And I think so many of us, like myself, I grew up wanting to be a teacher. So all I ever knew was the goal was being a teacher. And then when I found out, ooh, I don't have a skill set, I stuck saying, well, what else would I do? And I feel like that's a really common thing maybe. It is common. A lot of um, teachers don't know where to go. So they'll get on TikTok, they'll get on LinkedIn, and they'll just find the height the and run with it. But it's, like, it's not really true to you and your experiences. So I will say one thing for teachers, think about what you like most about teaching and try to find some roles that are based off of that. If you know you like facilitating trainings and things like that, because you love helping students do things, then you might want to go that route. If you're more of a planner, you like doing lesson plans all day, every day, you'd rather do that. <laughs> um, and of course, if you like designing cute little learning material, you know, if you're a writer, if you like content, you can be a, a content writing developer. Like there's so many different roles out there that can tie into what you like when you were a teacher. So that way you're just not all over the place. With all the peace and love in the world, when you said a lot of people drop off, and again, to them, all the peace and love in the world, it is very hard. I've given up on many a project. What point is like the hardest for people? Like what's the point where a lot of people start to hit a wall 
And like, what is that wall? So working with me, they'll get a lot of interviews and it's going great. It's going good. Oh, I got this interview. I got this interview. Oh, I made it to the second round. But then when they get to the third round, then when they get to the fourth round and they don't get the job or they don't get the role, if it keeps happening, they begin to shut down over time and they lose hope. It's been two, three, four, five months. And I've been seeing on TikTok, people been getting jobs after three weeks. You were laid off and got your second job in four weeks. So why is it taking me so long? (laughs) And just that whole mindset, they want to give up after a while. Some are stronger than others. Some are natural go-getters. Like I have a young lady right now, she's doing customer success. That girl can network her way into getting an interview so fast, but that's a skill set of hers. So she has no problem getting interviews that aren't listed per se, getting referrals from people. But where her struggle is the content, she doesn't know the job. So she can get these interviews, but I have to keep reinforcing, listen, you have to learn the job. You have to learn the content. You you can get an interview all day, but they're going to say you don't have enough experience because you're not talking like the role that you want. So we just came to that conclusion. So now she's a little bit more serious about learning the content. So that's the gist of it. Just the rejections getting far, getting far in multiple interviews and then not getting it. And then after a while, you lose momentum. Interviews start slowing down because you're not hustling and bustling like you were in the beginning. So it's just one big cycle. But once you break through that moment and you change your mindset, so many more doors open. And that's what I've been experiencing. Everybody goes through that slump. I hate it, but (laughs) part of the process. Yeah, totally. Are you seeing any of these teachers that come to you and they maybe are having troubles with finding jobs in the outside world, so to speak, so they end up going back to teaching? Yes. One of my early clients, we were just working together for two, maybe three months we were working together and layoffs had just happened right when we started. And she was like, I, I got to go back into the classroom. And I tell teachers, if you get out here and you can't find a job, just go back to the classroom. But your mindset should be different. Your focus should be different. Your eyes should still be on the prize. (laughs) You still need to do the things that you need to do to transition, which means I don't think there's a such thing as quiet quitting in education. I just, I don't see that as an option. However, (laughs) you can have a little bit more of a priority system when it comes to transitioning out. But please go back to the classroom, make your money, pay your bills. I wouldn't want anyone out out here with nothing so if you're listening and things aren't going right get back to the classroom regroup and have a proper transition plan <laughs> for for any teachers scared to transition I transitioned February 2022 and I don't want to jinx myself but I have survived two rounds of corporate layoffs because of my please you do so many things we don't want to lose you stay sit down sit right there yes so Teachers, a lot of times, even if maybe the interview process is hard, maybe you're not sure how to market yourself, once you get in the role and people can see what you can do and people can see the skills that you have, a lot of times it's smooth sailing from there. I was very lucky to work for an organization that had hired a couple other teachers, so they were more willing to be like, yeah, come on in. We've seen people like you and they did great. But that's another tip. Look for places that have hired other teachers. Yes, and believe it or not, my hiring manager, he was a teacher. And actually, there's a lot of teachers within this company. So every teacher that I talk to, I tell them, go to my company, look at their website. If you're interested in talent acquisition and technology learning and things like that, they will hire educators. The the team I work for is 
really amazing. And they're, they're just cool. And I, it's been the number one workplace for millennials and women. So check us out. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm going to be switching up my content just a little bit to kind of bring in the awareness for work-life balance and why it's so important for women who definitely have careers and how important it is to make sure that you're in a work environment that respects your work-life balance, if that makes sense. The uh, role that I'm currently in now, the work-life balance is amazing. And I think that was the piece that was kind of missing to my happiness just as a career woman. So I don't know. I just feel like it's my calling a little bit. That's huge. (laughs) Yes. That's awesome. I mean, we hear that over and over again from teachers like, oh, it's work-life balance. Work-life balance is so hard. It doesn't exist even. I mean, it doesn't. What not in teaching. Yeah, not in not in education. No. It definitely does not exist. Um, and it's not just having a remote job. Yeah, the remote job is like the epitome of work life balance. <laughs> but if you can't get a remote job, I mean, I could definitely help you with that. I'm pretty easy with getting people to transition into new careers or even a new role or a higher role at their um, in their current industry. But just how to find that balance because it is important. And I don't think a lot of people know just how important it is because they've never had the option until COVID to even have any type of work-life balance. Yeah, that's such a good point. It was really COVID that opened my eyes personally to being like, I can like talk to my husband and not be exhausted and have nothing left to give at the end of the day. Like that's... The public school system said, no, you cannot talk to your husband. Next question. (laughs) Even in remote work, education made it stressful to be on the computer eight hours a day, all day. And I was like... Okay, but then when I see my friends that was working um, in tech roles or they were doing other industries, they weren't working that hard remote. And I'm just like, why is everything in education so difficult? Just what you're saying about like work-life balance, remote is the epitome of work-life balance. But I like just what you're saying. I've seen people who have remote jobs that like don't give them any work-life balance and are calling their phone 24-7. And then there's other like non-remote on-site jobs that do offer work-life balance. Like I had, I was late to work today because I had to go to like a TSA pre-check appointment. If that had been a school day, they would have been like, we'll schedule it for a different day. We need the documentation, send yeah. it our, like, it would have been such a thing. But my job now, I was like terrified to tell them and they were like, okay, just stay a little late if you're not done with Did stuff. you find yourself like, like over explaining <laughs> that you were gonna be gone? Like, Cause that was my initial yes. thing. Hey guys, I'm gonna be gone. Da, 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 da. Yes. Here's what I've done. I prepared everything. You guys don't have to worry about this, this, this. I'm like, girl, go. <laughs> I was so extra. I was like, so the place is right near the office. I don't think I'll be more than 15 minutes late, but just in case I am. And they were like, we don't yep. go. Go to your appointment. I don't care. <laughs> there is that automatic, like, uh, getting triggered by asking for literally what you need. Yeah, I think minimum. that's like a. It's very trauma-filled, actually. It was just really, it's really crazy. I love the fact that my company is based in Seattle, so things don't get cracking until about 12 in the afternoon. So I have (laughs) that morning to make up work if I didn't do it previously. So I just really want educators to experience that life because we work really hard. I feel like I know the answer to this, but is there anything that could be done to get you back in the classroom? 
Oh yeah, I'm glad you asked me that. Yes, being able to work remote is number one. Making more money is number two. And then the third thing, having some type of system to connect administrators back to the classroom. If you're an administrator and you've been out of the classroom for 10 years, it's time for you to spend a week in the classroom and then you can go back to being an administrator after that week. I mean, something like that, I don't know. But there's a huge disconnect between leadership and teachers and teachers just get the shitty end of the stick. I once, in a fit of rage, came up with a plan to force administrators back into the classroom and wrote it all out. My plan was, for my school, we had four administrators. So my idea is that there's an administrator class. Like, it's some kind of elective, like, leadership development or technology, something like that. And it's just one period. And every year, one administrator is in charge of it. And because there's four of them, they rotate. So every four years, you have your one class. So, like, you can still be a full-time administrator and teach your little one elective class. You will live. You'll be fine. I think that's a perfect plan. Oh, I think so too. I really do. Out of my whole 15 years of teaching, I had one good principal and then I had like two good administrators. Everyone else, they were just trash. I mean, they were just trash. (laughs) That's just the bottom line. (laughs) What made some of them good and what made the other ones trash? The one that was really good, and I I will say her name because she's amazing. Her name is Dr. Earls. She could retire if she wanted to, but she's still a principal. She was very by the book as far as, I won't say black and white because she was flexible, but she also cared, you know? And so she had no problems helping out whenever needed. If you needed supplies, tools, she would never say no. If you needed money for something, she would never say no. She was very compassionate, just very well-rounded. She believed in professional development, not wasting your time. She was just awesome, just really awesome. And everyone really liked working with her. And then of course the bad ones, I just think they're all sociopaths, um, power hungry. Like I do, I think they were sociopaths. Did we work for the same people? Oh my God. I mean, it was just horrible. And then the people that they picked were a reflection of them too. So it wasn't even, yeah. Like, what what is going on here? This is a circus. Uh-huh. Because when leadership is bad, it's bad the whole way down. It's everyone they hire. When you're in a school with a really narcissistic principal that's hired and brought in a ton of people, it just feels like I'm a clown and I'm at the circus. Like this cannot be real. This cannot be happening. This is not real. It was so bad. I mean, and they were bullies. They were so bullied, but they couldn't bully me because I was a rock and I was the instructional coach. (laughs) So I was in the leadership meetings and everything. I was a rock. You couldn't get a word out of me. You couldn't get anything out of me. You could tell me what you wanted me to do. Okay. And I would go do it. Like no conversation, no nothing. Like you have to treat them like that. They're so manipulative. If you say anything or move a certain way, it gives them ignition to keep doing crazy stuff. So the moment that I became a rock, I said, okay, it is really time to go. I bet the teachers that had you as their coach were just so fortunate though, because when you're in that kind of shitstorm and you have one person, like that one leader, this is the leader that I feel respects me and wants the best for me. And it's like water in the desert. It's the best thing in the world. It really is. Thank you. And I will say the teachers that were genuine about education were the ones that clung to me the most. But there were toxic teachers that just did not want to be there. And we did not get along well 
at all. And I was a rock to them too. So that's how I was always able to tell who was truly there for education. I just think it's really unfortunate that there are more disgruntled educators than genuinely passionate ones in my experience now maybe different at different schools there's always outliers but when I traveled to different schools the number of disgruntled teachers was astronomical I'm glad that you brought up like the difference within teachers of people that are I don't want to say there for different reasons but I think one thing that's really interesting about this conversation and it might be curt of me to say this but like if you are running an organization you get what you pay for when you are deciding your employees salaries so if you want hard-working passionate people you cannot pay them 40 grand a year and expect them to come in and work their ass off for you every day you're gonna get what you're paying for and what you're paying for is someone who doesn't care that much and is gonna come and phone it in like I don't know why this is so hard for like leaders to connect the dots on it just truly shows our value to them in their mind it really does and when we're talking about the administrators that are so good I agree with you the whole way down but it's just like the bar is in hell because it's like I want respect and I want somebody that gets me resources from the district yeah and in our mind it's like that should be the bare minimum but it's not that's a unicorn that's huge right huge I remember when my school hired a new teacher and I was like kind of giving him the lowdown on like this is who you go to for this this is where the bathroom is here's where the mailbox is that kind of stuff and I was like oh this administrator's my favorite if you ever need something you should contact him because he answers his emails and this new teacher was like do the other ones not and I was like no they don't they will walk past you in the hall like you never emailed them (laughs) exactly they will fully ignore you like fully pretend nothing's going on and they gaslight you they're like I didn't get an email they're like oh my god the gaslighting (laughs) is at an all-time high I mean I just really think being in education is like one big cesspool of like manipulation just from top to bottom hence the abusive relationship yes yes and when you sit down and actually break it down a lot of um, early signs of domestic abuse it very well correlates with what we see in education all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. I think education is the way that it is because of how our society is set up. I really don't see education doing anything different. How can they? Mm-hmm. As far as how they operate, we need our children to go somewhere while we go to work. <laughs> yep. And COVID taught us that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember when we were heroes and everybody loved us? Yes. Everyone loved a teacher. Give her an apple. This is a great 45 minutes in American history. (laughs) So Tamika, I have asked our wonderful listeners for some questions for you. And I'm going to read them to you as they come in. I asked a few when we... So far, I have eight, and they just I just posted it five minutes ago. So we're going to go ahead and do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's two people so far that have asked, where do you even start? Where do you look? The number one place to look is definitely LinkedIn. Looking at their jobs and putting in the filters you want remote, the different titles that you are looking for. So before you even go looking, you have to know what role you want to be a part of anyway. I 
use career fitters and they have a career assessment. Now it's not your typical, oh, you like to draw, so you should be an artist. Like <laughs> it's not like that at all. It definitely takes your strengths and your weaknesses as an individual and it plugs it into the best work environments that you thrive in. So like for example, I'm an inventor. So I like to work for a company that allows me to invent and be creative. So I can't be with a company that's very procedural and no room for creation, creativity, and stuff like that. And then they list jobs for you that are possible fits with videos and, you know, any requirements as far as school certifications and stuff like that. And they do have a free assessment, so you can use that or you can just pay the $20 and get a 20 page. That's what I did. I make my clients do it. Well, it comes with their package, but it's really eye-opening. So if you don't know where to start as far as what career you want to dive into outside of education, start with that assessment and then go to LinkedIn. There's two ways to search. You can search by job title. Now, companies name their titles differently. It just depends on the company. So when you put in one title, make sure you take note of different titles that you see come up in your search. Write those down and search those two and it'll take you down a rabbit hole of role and then the second thing is to search by skills so if you know that you want to facilitate training instead of putting learning and development specialist in put facilitate trainings and then filter the jobs and you'll see all kinds of jobs that require you to facilitate and that'll help you find roles as well that is really good and really <laughs> specific advice I it's never like, would have thought about the career assessment yeah I love like, a tangible advice too <laughs> That was so, like, I was taking notes. Yes. And I'm telling you, career fitness is so worth it because the one thing that everyone, including myself, know about career fitness, it, it gets you back in touch with what you truly loved as a kid. I used to want to be a video director. So it was amazing to see that directing and visual arts roles came up in my assessment that's always what I wanted to be as a kid and I'm like dang I really should have pursued that but you know people influence you go to school girl go to college <laughs> my last school we like talk about college bound college bound yes. and then by oh the time God. I started there they changed it to choice filled future they didn't I have... talk about that when I was in school I have a student, the district I worked for was very, same thing, like college, 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 but mm -hmm. they did have a lot of trade programs, but they just didn't advertise them that well. But I had a student who did the AC trade program for junior and senior year, and he still take regular classes. So he still has like a regular high school diploma. And then he only had to do another couple months after he graduated. And he's 20 now, because I taught him my first year and makes six figures. Electricians, carpenter, BMW, repairmen, um, they make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If anyone wants to be rich, become a general contractor because the United States has a shortage of them right now. I'm dating a guy who's a contractor. And when I tell you, it's amazing how much money. Yes. Get in on the ground floor. Yes. I'm honestly, I might go back to school. You know, it's never too late. I'm going to be a general contractor. If you answered emails, answered phone calls, and were on time, I feel like you could become like the top contractor relatively quickly if you actually knew how to do contracting, obviously. And you're a woman, so it's money if you want to stay dirty. We love money. <laughs> so this question's coming in... <laughs> This question's coming in a lot. What options are there for teachers looking to change careers? How do our skills translate into a new career? My degree is in secondary ed. Help. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you're trying to transition into something like tech, they just want to know that you have the degree. What your degree is in, it really doesn't matter. They hone in on your skills. And as an educator, don't tie yourself to the title, I'm a teacher. No. Whatever skill you're advertising at the time, you find a title that matches that, and that's what you are. For example, if you are going into learning and development, where you are developing and designing a curriculum, which teachers do all the time, that makes you a learning and development leader because that's something that you do all the time. If you're into organization, so organizational development is an area for educators as well. So if you're good at processes and procedures and putting things in order, you can be a process implementation specialist. There's so many things out there. You really have to research a little bit. For example, at my job, there's a new software that everybody has to use in the company. So they actually have a change management team that's going to prepare the team (laughs) for this transition. So they're going to build trainings, handouts, all that stuff. So you could look into change management if you know how to bridge the gap in making things smoother when people transition. Like there's, there's talent acquisition specialists. If you are into recruiting or you're into developing new hires in any way, if you were that teacher that all the new teachers had to go to, if you were that new teacher mentor, you would fall under the talent acquisition specialist because you work with new hires. So all the skills that you've done, you can promote that on your resume. But the trick is you have to look at the job descriptions and you have to talk like the job descriptions. So <laughs> you, when you put it on your resume, it has to look that way for them to even understand where you're coming from because people don't know that educators do a lot of things. So you have a lot of skills, long story short. You just really have to sit and think about where you want to go and then how you can show that through what you've done in education. And there's so many avenues. So many avenues. If you've done software training, you could be a technical trainer where you just go around the company training them on how to use new software. If you're a writer, you can be a technical writer. They need people that write processes and procedures for when they have fire alarms or how to do certain things within the company. You could do that too as a technical writer. There's so many options. There really are. You just really got to know someone who's in the industry that you're trying to get into and they can kind of help you branch out and pull out your skills. That's the number one thing I spend a lot of time on, helping teachers pull out their skills because they don't even know that they have those skills until I kind of put it together. I think that we're so used to being disregarded as professionals of our field that it's so common for teachers to be like, do I even have any skills? Do I have any value that I could add to another field? When yes, like we're very capable people and we're educated and we deal with a lot of bullshit and that actually is a skill as well you know it is yeah I wish that more people had that confidence and I feel like what you're saying is so empowering like it's one of the hardest things to talk about yourself in a positive way and like brag on your skills especially if you're coming from an environment where that's kind of frowned upon so one thing that helped me a lot is I paid someone to redo my resume so I could write just paragraphs in very layman terms like this is what I do this is what's going on so if you're like struggling with this don't be afraid to reach out to people like to Mika that do this for a living because it's something that everyone struggles with. Like I can write other people's resumes all day, every day.
day, but when it comes to my own, like I just can't do it. And I think that's really normal. And I also think too that being a part of the process in writing your resume is important. So I used to do it where I would do teachers' resumes. And I mean, some stuff can't, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But I found the most value when we actually did it together. Because when it comes to interviewing, you know how to market your resume because you know all about it because you did it. So some teachers would just submit the resumes I did for them and then they would get interviews and then that's it. They wouldn't even make it past the recruiter because they didn't understand their resume. They didn't understand the job that yeah. they were applying for. So make sure you guys know the job you're applying for. <laughs> You're right on that collaboration because I had the experience of when I paid this woman to redo my resume, the first round that she did, I was in tears because I was like, this is describing my nightmare of a job. And I realized that I was playing areas that I don't like in my resume because I felt like I needed to compensate for things that are not my strengths and I was like oh my god so I think having someone else's eyes on it and seeing like how they're perceiving what you wrote can help you get to know yourself better and actually like collaborate and make something that you understand that you're really proud to apply to jobs with absolutely and I mean I know we're teachers and that's one word but when you think about it teachers do probably like a hundred jobs in one so there's no such thing as not having enough skills you just have to know how to identify it and the best way to do that is do a career assessment figure out what lane you want to go in study those job descriptions and then craft your resume based off of that i just love you <laughs> i love you more thank you <laughs> i listen to my husband conduct interviews a lot and it's been so eye-opening because one of the questions he literally asks is, can you describe the role in your own words? And I first was like, that's kind of a weird question. But then I would listen to him debrief with his team after and time and time again, if they didn't get it, he was like, I don't think they're going to be a good fit for this role because they don't mm -hmm. even know what it is that they're going to be doing here. Yeah. And it's very common with the hiring managers that I connected with in the tech industry. That's the number one thing they say about hiring educators and why some times they're reluctant is because they know when they talk to them, it always goes back to what I did in the classroom. And it's like, we're running a business here, ma'am. You know, we're adults around here. I, I know you did that in the classroom, but how is that going to help me? So you, you have to approach it differently. You have to. If you're going to an interview, your task is to prove to them why you are going to be beneficial to their organization Absolutely. to hire you, not to prove why your past is important. And I think a lot of yes. people come in with the reverse mindset. Yes. They want you to solve a problem. Yes. They don't want to sit through 800 interviews. They want you to come in, interview number one, and just freaking kill it so they don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> like and also, they want someone to go in who already knows what to do. Some teachers that I've worked with, they want to be trained. Like, listen, these people do not come from an education background nine times out of 10. They really don't know. They're really looking for you. When I got hired at my job, day two, I already had projects. So I had to show my, my expertise, show, hey, this is why you guys hired me. And so when you go into these interviews, you don't go in there as Sarah, the teacher, the fourth grade elementary teacher. No, you are Sarah, the customer success manager. That's what you are. Your skills define that not your 
previous experience as far as titles. And I also think like a lot of different organizations run extremely differently. Like I work for an organization that does provide a ton of front end training because my role is just kind of weird and unique. And so I think if you know that you're the type of person that like you're going to need that support leaving this field and going into a new field, do research on what companies have really effective training programs because lots of big companies are renowned for the way they train their employees. So like when you're looking for jobs, if that's a priority to you, like that should be at the front of your mind that you really want a company that's going to invest in you and train you and help you make this transition. And that's definitely true. All I've done is startups and um, <laughs> they're the complete opposite. Yeah. They don't have the funds, but larger companies should have a good training and onboarding and should have money to invest in those things. They should. If you have 5,000 employees and no onboarding system, I'm concerned. So the job that I have where I transition from teaching is a pretty rigid in terms of scheduling. Like I have back-to-back meetings a lot. I work in the office. So I'm curious because I know your company's based on the West Coast and you live on the East Coast. So what has your experience been with like remote work and scheduling? Because I know a ton of teachers are coming in with kids, families, their dogs, like a lot of people need scheduling flexibility. So is that something you found outside the classroom? Absolutely. So every single company is different. So this is where when you interview, you really have to ask the right questions to see how their work-life balance is. So for example, I stay in Atlanta. My company that I work for is in Seattle. My meetings don't start till about one or two. And I probably have like two or three meetings and that's it. Outside of that, I'm doing my work on my own time and I have deadlines for things. So it's more about making sure you deliver on the deadline as opposed to clocking your hours per se. So you want to have a job that is flexible when it comes to work-life balance. And you can go on Google and put the top companies known for work-life balance. There's a whole list of them. That's very good advice. Yeah, that's really good. Somebody asked, and I feel like this is a really great last question. There are people that are looking for the courage to quit. Somebody said, did you feel massive guilt leaving the education field? How do we empower people to follow their heart on this one? Yeah, that is a really good question. And it's just so amazing. You know, a lot of teachers struggle with this. Now, I didn't feel guilty because when I left, it was not good terms. I was over it. F them people, F them kids, F everybody, I'm out. I I didn't have any guilt whatsoever. But I did work with a few ladies who did have some guilt because, oh, I love my students. And, you know, and what that comes from is where you prioritize yourself. You have to think about the priority system in your life. Are the kids in your classroom and being a teacher more important than you raising your own children or you being there for your husband more or showing up for your yourself and your mental health, your physical health, you have to think about what's the priority system. And immediately they realize, oh my God. (laughs) Um, And that guilt kind of disappears. But at the end of the day, the kids will be okay. Like you're not going to be the first teacher to leave them. You're not. The administrators will be okay. Because honestly, if anybody cared that much, they would do everything to make you stay. They wouldn't be pushing you out the door. So you got to think about that too. And it just comes with putting yourself first. That's really what it's about. And we have a hard time doing that because we're in a career where we're taught, I say manipulated into being selfless, but we have to have boundaries. We have to have expectations and we have to have standards. It's just as human beings. 
And as educators, we lose that part of us. We just have to think, is the child in my classroom more important than my own child at home? And it's a lot of mothers. <laughs> God, that is that is so real. That like has me in my thoughts and feelings, your feelings at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. As Drake said. <laughs> I had really, really bad teacher guilt. And what my family and my boyfriend said is they were like, no one has ever looked back on their life and been like, oh, it all came crashing down when my 11th grade U.S. Yes. history teacher left in February. Like they were like, relax. Like I know it's your all day, every day, your passion, you love mm -hmm. it, but like they will be fine. Absolutely, they will. Yeah, I'm always confused by people who are like, but what about the kids? I had a principal who, I think I told this story on the pod before, but I had a principal who I was like feeling really guilty about going on maternity leave. And she oh was like, gosh. we cannot be so self-important to think that as their teacher, that you're going to ruin their life by going on maternity leave. <laughs> like they love you, but you're not their parent. They're not your family. You're not abandoning them. You're not the next Messiah. Like they will find someone else to teach them. Teacher guilt kicked my ass. Like it was extremely, extremely difficult for me leaving. And my students, they knew how bad it was. I would have administrators scream at me in front of them. So like they knew how much I was going through it. And one person in my TikTok comments said like, you leaving this job is teaching your students a lesson and how to take care of themselves. And I guarantee one of them in their life will be in a job and think about how you were able to leave that job and like take that lesson with them. Yeah. And that's true. And that's true. I tried to leave education three times. <laughs> Third time the charm. Yeah. So I got stories about that. But if we're really attached to some kids, not all of them, some kids like find a way, you know, to get in contact with them. You don't have to cut them off cold turkey, but for anyone that's hesitant to leave because you're like, I don't want to leave my students. I am like the CEO of the letters of recommendation now because I get to do it on yes. my fancy corporate stationery with my fancy corporate title. So I'm still supporting them just in a different way. Absolutely. And I have a student who was interested in real estate. I helped her pass the real estate exam. So I'm still helping them. I'm still being an educator. I'm still doing the things I want to do, just not in that stressful setting. And I'm doing it on my terms. We don't disappear into thin air. The kids will be fine. And if you really want to, you can go visit. Or don't. Or don't. <laughs> if you want to hit the bricks and never turn around. If you don't care about them kids, like the last group, I didn't care about none of those kids. Bye. <laughs> and I left. And they got a new teacher. And guess what? They love that teacher. <laughs> I'm just a memory. And they are just a memory <laughs> to you. Thank God. <laughs> so I want to... I want to ask you, how can people book you? Because you are such a wonderful resource that everyone needs if they're going to leave education. Thank you. So I right now I am only on TikTok and it's I am Tamika Shante. So cruise the videos, enjoy. And then when you click the link in my bio, you can book a session with me if you just want to talk and come up with a, a strategy or I do have several packages and they range various prices, but I like to talk to everyone first to see if we're a good fit, you know, see what we can do. <laughs> so the biggest thing is to find me on TikTok. I am Tamika Shante and just click the link in the bio and it'll say book a mentorship strategy call or something like that. It'll say book a call.
you'll see it. Thank you so much. I love yes, it. I'm so you. excited for this episode yes. to come out. Me too. I think this is going to be a hit because people have been, they've been like, write the manual. Stop talking and laughing. <laughs> like, what's... <laughs> It's a large manual, I'm telling you, it's a large manual, but it's a mindset shift too, because you definitely go through mental challenges dealing with transitioning into something new and trying to convince people that you're the right person, even though you have indirect experience. Greatness is on the other side of fear. Yes, but it can be done because we're out here doing it. So thank you so much for joining us. You, this was amazing. Thank you. Yes, I'm excited. Woo! I'm excited too. Thank you so much for being here with us, and thank you guys for listening. Please rate and review our podcast on wherever you are listening to the podcast. But if I had to pick, I would say please do it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and go Perfect. follow Tamika. We love her. Woo! Yay! Yes. <laughs> book a call get on out of there yes finally we're telling you how to quit so if you quit your job because of this podcast episode um send us a testimonial i don't know please don't just up and quit not right now but you can transition because it, it's hard out here listen to Tamika. The email. The professional. The email. yeah tamika's the professional in this situation any who's all we love you bye yes, love you guys more thank you